welcome to A Reason to Talk with Chris Reason. And today we are talking about CM Punk, Chris Jericho, AEW's world e- World's End. Sorry. Uh, it's going to be all over the place with this f- fucking, all these topics. Um, but let's get right into the fucking show. So, CM Punk returning to WWE. I'm all over the fucking place on this one. I fucking hate it. He... Him not getting his way in fucking AEW and all that other bullshit. Jesus. Fucking just smacked the hell out of my mic. Now, that all bullshit was fucking dumb. Now, we also got the fact that him and Jack Perry or or whatever fucking bullshit that was happening in the background for that. And it's just all fucking stupid. Yeah, he was being unsafe with the glass and all that shit. But... It is what it is. The Chicago fans fucking love him because, you know, the hometown fucking crap. But besides that, it's just like, I don't fucking care. Is he going to actually help out WWE in this sense? He's, well, he never was a fast worker. Like, he was always slow movement. He could do some of the spring, like the springboard clothesline, the elbow drop, the, the eye-catching stuff that he could put on a great match. But now, his time in AEW wasn't bad, but he is so fucking slow. Will it actually help the new talent in WWE or even the old talent? Now, can he improve slash help WWE? Yeah, probably. He's going to bring in some draws. Um, Was it necessary for him to return at fucking uh, Survivor Series? No. So many people fucking hated it. Was it going to happen? Yes. But, like, it just just look at it. Do uh, Fucking Seth Rollins fucking swearing at him and all that other crap, freaking out about him being there. And everybody else like, ah, fuck, I don't want you here. And then Randy Orton's just like sitting in the chair like, for fuck's sake. And then just saying, hi, how are you? It doesn't really matter. Now, will this affect WWE negatively? Oh, fuck yeah, it's going to. You're going to, he's going to end up making some type of problem in the background. Was it nice that he went to, from Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. Yeah. Was it great he was in NXT? Could have been hilarious. And have him go on those shows instead of the main roster, quote-unquote main roster shows. And everything like that. But do we actually want him back? And I'm going to say, fuck no. It He could live off the money that he has from WWE when he was here. He can live off the money he's made in AEW and the probably the ro- uh, royalties from AEW uh, Fight Forever video game. And the fact that he was in heels and the royalties from that, I think he's fine. The fact that he worked with Marvel Comics, I think he's just bored and people want him to fucking do more shit. And I'm just like, I'm fucking good. Like, cut it out. Um, that also being said, is it going to change? Probably. Is it for the better? We won't know until it fucking happens. Um, and we'll go from there. Um, another thing, topic, unrelated. TNA announced the licensing deal for action figures. So we're going to see action figures uh, once again through TNA. And the, i got to bring this back. Impact going to change their name to TNA again is a good and bad thing. I'm saying that because, okay, cool, you're bringing back in the old fans of TNA. You're going to be the more ruthless aggression style that they originally had. And then you're going to have all that. But with that, too, 
you're going to have people confusing it with tits and ass, and possibly if they're real big fans of WWF in the late 90s, early 2000s, I believe it's the early 2000s, or whenever the fuck Trish Jaddish was there, with the TNA with Tess and Elbert and her. Um, and you, nobody's probably going to confuse it with that, but that's just an option. Are they going to bring back the the six-sided ring? Who knows? Would it be a good idea? Maybe. Would it be a bad idea? Probably. That six-sided ring, yeah, you're going to get uh, people noticing you guys again where you don't have a, con- uh, a regular ring to wrestle in. Um, but now you're going to be like AAA, I believe, uh, was one of the companies that has a six-sided ring. But the downside of that is you're going to have taking harder bumps because it's a thicker canvas or a bigger canvas. And hitting the ropes is going to be harder just because of the fact that they're going to be tighter because they're shorter length ropes compared to a regular 20 by 20, 18 by 18, 16 by 16, whatever. And it, it's probably in the long run going to be a, a bad sense if you bring back the six-sided ring. Are you going to be out there looking like you're used to be? Yes. Or, I mean, in the second interval, because like they first started off with the four-sided and they went to the six-sided with the X Division to stand out. But who knows? I just hope they don't pull another Hogan-Bischoff era again. Did they help a little bit? Was it good? Eh. But we'll go from there. Now, before we get into the next topic, um, let's check out from one of our sponsors. That's W Energy. Do you need that boost of energy? Are you going to the gym, trying to wake up for work, or even trying to get in some serious hours of gaming? We'll have your answer. That's W Energy. Get your jitterless fix of an energy boost, the Galaxy Grenade, Beach and Peach, Calio Cream, and much, much more. Uh, use the promo code CRN10 to get 10% off your order today. Visit w.gg slash discount slash CRN10. That's D-U-B-B-Y dot G-G slash discount slash CRN10. Now, with everything said with that, TNA is coming back, and I feel like we're going to have... Now, if we're looking at this in the Monday Night War side, you had WCW, WWE, and ECW. In that sense. Now, today, if you're doing like a war sense or the th- the top three, I guess you could be WE, AEW, and um, TNA. Um, it was Ring of Honor at one point, but now that AEW owns Ring of Honor, they kind of merge, and I just don't count them as two separate entities anymore. Kind of like how TKO Holdings with UFC and WE. It's all fucking dumb and all that stuff. Um, but next topic here. Chris Jericho allegations. Everybody's been trending with Fire Jericho on tw- X, Twitter, whatever you want to fucking call it, um, over the allegations of Kylie Ray, uh, asking her, um, him to, asking her to come into her like dressing room and or his dressing room and all that other shit. Um, my question is, how is this gonna, what was this gonna affect AEW's World's End? Because he's in that eight-man tag. Are they gonna cancel it? Are they gonna switch him out? Do whatever. Um, but now, are we going to see anything else with Chris Jericho? Is he going to leave wrestling? Is he going to quit Fozzie? Is he going to stop doing the Rock and Rager wrestling, whatever the fuck he called it, um, cruise? Is he going to do all of that? And who knows? Uh, I guess we'll see after uh, into the future after um, AW's World's End and goes from there. Now, let's get into World's End. Um, their pre-show, the Zero Hour, fucking weird-ass name. I get it why they call it that, but it's just dumb. First match, Chris Statlander versus William, Willow Nightingale. Um, both of these women are babyfaces, which makes hard 
for the audience to figure out who to cheer for. But, or confusing, but it was a great match. There were some botches, but overall it wasn't bad. Um, There's some notice- noticeable stuff with Will- uh, uh, Willow performing, performing her shit and Chris Dandler also doing stuff. Overall, I'm giving it a 7.5 out of 10. Now, the next match was a 20-man battle royal for the TNT title shot. And some of the competitors included um, in this are Danhausen, Brian Keith, Matt Menard, Angelo Parker, Lance Archer, Dalton Castle, and many more. I don't know who a couple of those people are. That's, I'm not... Archer and Killswitch dominated the action and scored the most eliminations. Okay, I'm going to tell you right now. I haven't watched anything in a long time to remember who the fuck's who. I just remember the fact that Killswitch is Luchasaurus. I so didn't remember that. I'm like, who? The, when I was watching this, I'm like, who the fuck is Killswitch? Oh, right, duh. Fucking Luchasaurus. I, I don't know how I feel about that, but I'll continue on here. Um... Killswitch and Archer both dominated the action and scored the most eliminations. At the end, it came down to Trent Beretta and Killswitch, and Killswitch won. This could have... You could have given anyone else a better chance, for example. Lance Archer, Dalton Castle, Trent Beretta, any of those three could have been made a great run with the TNT Championship. It could have been a lot better. They could have great outstanding rivalries, uh, especially whoever beats the cha- or who is the champion after tonight with the match between Adam Copeland and Christian Cage, and it just could have been great. But then they're just like, hey, let's give Christian Cage's crowny or whatever the fuck that word is, where they do that. And I'm just like, okay, works for me. Um, but six and a half out of ten. Um, now this next match, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, it's not a bad match. It's a great match. But I just find it so fucking stupid. Like, this is the last match for the pre-show. Hook and Wheeler Rita, great fucking wrestlers. Hook is more of like the the catching and the submission guy. Wheeler's the pure physical wrestling style, some submissions and whatever. But can we please just stop with the damn fuck the world championship, the FTW championship? Yes, Hook's father Taz made the belt in ECW when the, he lost the fucking world championship and he's being a crybaby about it. Like, I, I never lost. I got my own belt here. But that was a terrible Taz impersonation. But it's just, there's no fucking meaning to that belt. There was no meaning to that belt in ECW. And he, if you go back and watch the rise and fall of ECW, Taz is like, hey, it was just a belt. Uh, did it really actually matter? No. And the fact that that is that is so fucking dumb. Like, I, it's almost similar to their damn 24-7 championship. It's just another fucking championship that the mid-card and low-card could fucking run with. And... The bad thing with a 24-7 championship is the people first thought of the hardcore championship where you could have the 24-7 rules. But did it mean anything? No. Did the hardcore championship mean anything? A little bit more than the 24-7 championship. I don't remember which one had a longer run. But it's still like, what the fuck? Like, there's no point to that FTW championship. Now, if you go back and see Wheeler Yuta, he does those pure rules matches, which I had to look up because I couldn't remember what it was. Um... And those were actually in bed. It makes sense of how you would defend it. It's a good mid-card championship. Now, the the pure championship uh, in pure matches is where, like, they only get, like, a certain amount of rope breaks. Um, but after a while, like, if you grab the rope, like, if, I think you get, like, two or three. And then after that, if you grab the rope break again, it doesn't mean shit. And stuff like that. There's a 20 count out or something. I don't remember. Um, but it makes sense. And I just can't go fucking anywhere after that. 
Now, the FTW Championship is just there. It literally is just a belt that Taz is like, here you go, son, have a belt. It doesn't make fucking sense. Did it make sense with Brian Cage having it? No, it made Brian Cage look like a beast, but that's Brian Cage already is a fucking machine, so he doesn't need it. Uh, but besides that, the, they need to make the FCW Championship mean something, or just get rid of it. It doesn't make a fucking lick of sense. Other than that, the match itself was actually really good. There was some use of weapons since there wasn't no disqualifications and no countout match, which, like I said before, is different from pure rules matches which Yuta has been having in the past. The weapons are not the entire match, which is fantastic for both because both of these competitors can wrestle, and it showed fantastically here. They didn't need the weapons, and it showed. Um, 8 out of 10 for this one. And after that, I just wanted to mention... um, this, uh, with, uh, Renee Perquette, uh, clarified during the pre-show, uh, Perquette, sorry, but what's your fucking Renee's last name? Anyways, um, with the Continental Classic Championship, or the, uh, the, uh, tournament with a Continental title, they were later said that they're not being merged, and I kinda hate that. Mainly for the fact that, like, okay, now you got all these fucking championships... And you got the Triple Crown winner, which is fantastic for Eddie Kingston. It really shows that Eddie Kingston can fucking wrestle and is a fucking beast and they should push him. But it it doesn't also make sense because why the fuck would New Japan put their strong openweight title in another company and just like, yeah, you can have the belt. Let's merge it. Yes, New Japan is in a working relationship with AEW, but it doesn't make sense. And then to have those... With him having the Ring of Honor, the New Japan Strong Openweight title, and now the Continental Classic, which is another belt that doesn't make sense, but it was a great tournament. Um, it literally would make him a Triple Crown at the end of the night. It shows that he pushed the thing, and what, and so far, and so on. And then the way I've read it is that even though they're not merging, it you could still defend the belt separately, which I get... And it's just like, come on, dude. Just do the one or nothing. Kind of like the fucking tag team belts now in AE and WWE. For, uh, with the two, I don't know if they're both on them. Two different people now with SmackDown and The Raw. Just fucking combine them already again. They don't need it. Or just make one fucking them lose one of them. Doesn't make a difference. Uh, now, Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnoli. Uh, wait, hold on. I think I spit the spot. Yeah, Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnoli, Mark Briscoe. And Daniel Garcia versus Brody King, Jay White, Jay Lethal, and Roosh. I forgot this match was even fucking happening because it wasn't, like, really advertised. It's an eight-man tag match um, made up of the competitors of the Continental Classic. Both teams had heels on them, but the team that included Briscoe had the most fans cheering for them, which is understandable because I think he is uh, a face out of all these people. And it's just, like, okay. Like, why? Um... Now, constant tags between each team, which having 4 to 4 4v4 in an 8 man is fucking great because you got more chances of combinations of people staying in and seeing every competitor in the ring and it works great cuz like if you don't see many constant tags in a match, you just makes it look like you're not a great tag team, but it is what it is. Brian's Daniels, sorry, Brian Danielson's chest was still bruised from his match against Kingston. Uh, in the tournament, so every chop that he took looked extra brutal, because it definitely was, had to be fucking painful, and whatnot. Um, so it's just like, okay. At the end, Garcia picked up 
Sorry, Garcia was a star of the match, even though everyone looked fucking fantastic. And at the end, Garcia picked up the win for his team, pinning Jay Lethal. Garcia can be a man eventer. They need to give him a shot as well at the TNT Championship or just put him in a higher stakes match or any type of high stakes matches and get him pushed. Does he work as a comedy character with his dance? Fucking yes, of course. Is over than all hell. But he could be more. Or could even just stay a comedy character and just continuously go with that. 8 out of 10 with that match. Um, Like I said before, I haven't watched a lot of the wrestling uh, fully. I usually just watch highlights or if I want to watch a specific match, I'll go into that specific match. So I'm kind of lost on the storylines. And for this next one, it kind of makes sense. Uh, it's Miro versus Andrade El Idolo. What I expected is that CJ Perry, formerly Lana, um, is is Miro's wife. I some along the lines that uh, Andrade and her were together or something. But anyways, the Redeemer Miro went after El Idolo before he could even get his entrance jacket off. Whenever Miro had the chance, he would talk trash to his wife. Excuse me, and she would talk just as much trash right back at him. This match had a much slower pace than everything else we had seen up to this point, so it felt like a big lackluster as a result. Everything they did look good, and they sold big moves well, but there was no sense of urgency unless they were literally screaming in each other's face. The second half of the match was much better than the first, but you could tell there was a disconnect with the crowd, possibly due to the rumors of El Idolo leaving AW soon. A lot of rumors in this fucking show tonight. Um... Well, I feel like El Idolo even could potentially go back to WWE or even just run a, 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 a do a run with any other promotion out there, maybe TNA possibly. Uh, but anyways, um, I thought it, it been being a slower pace would build the better tension between the two competitors, but I could be mistaken in that sense. Both men survived long periods in submission holds, but CJ Perry, Piro, Perry Miro's wife, Turned on El Idolo and helped out Miro break out of the figure eight. That's fucking dumb that they were using the same fucking figure eight. But, uh, to anyways, Miro defeated Andrade El Idolo with his finisher submission. I don't remember the name of it. And then that's pretty much it. I'm giving it a seven and a half out of ten. Could have been better and a faster pace, but it is what it is. Tony Storm or Timeless Tony versus Rio. Ryu. Uh, I don't know how to fucking say her name. AEW's Women's Championship. Uh, Tony Storm started by trying to pat Rio on the head which angered Ryu. Ryu tried to slam Tony, but couldn't even get her off the mat. Luther, Tony's valet, was later ejected from ringside for getting involved too many times, giving Ryu a chance to make a comeback. I, I want to pause there on this match for a second. Now, he, Luther, if Luther Reigns, not Luther Reigns, that's fucking WWE, but Luther, if you look him up, he was a deathmatch wrestler primarily. So I want to see him... Being, I think he's also friends with John Moxley. Them two go in a death match or any type of hardcore match that AEW puts on because I feel like it'd be phenomenal with what they could do. Luther is a great fucking wrestler and a death match wrestler at that. Now let's get back into this. Much like the previous bout, this one got better as if it went on or as it went on. Rio is a great underdog character and Storm has been a brilliant as a tweener. The crowd was behind both competitors, but Storm ended up retaining with what looked like a very awkward modified DDT. Mariah May came out and threw flower petals all over the ring for Storm to celebrate. 7 out of 10. Now this next one, Swerve Strickland versus Keith Lee. Uh, it ended up changing due to the fact that uh, Keith Lee was not cleared for the pay-per-view, the PLE. Uh, so Dustin Rhodes, who uh, recently tagged with uh, Keith Lee, uh, stepped in for the match against Strickland. 
Rhodes won their last encounter by disqualification, so Swerve was looking to get his win back and continue his hot streak heading into 2024. Swerve wasted no time and dropkicked Rhodes as soon as he stepped through the ropes. Prince Nana pulled out a cinder block and Swerve stomped Rhodes' leg through it. Sir, several officials helped Rhodes to his feet and it looked like they were had helped him out of the arena, but he decided to compete anyway. This ended up being anticlimactic filler that lasted longer than necessary. The outcome was predictable, and the way everything was set up led to a mediocre outing, especially compared to what we know these guys can do together. The last couple of minutes regained some of the crowd and with some trash-talking and taunting, but it didn't make much of a difference. Strickland scored the win with a double stop. Now, this was a hell of a letdown for this match. Both of these competitors are very skilled, and they didn't show that at all in this match. It could have been better. They didn't need the cinder block spot. They could have just went on in a one in hell of a one-on-one -on -one match and showed their skills completely in this, and it ruined it. Um, but like, or they could even just said fuck it and just ended it with the cinder block spot and walk Rhodes out and just to move on. They'd probably kill for time or something. Six out of ten. It it you don't change that. Five out of ten. The second of the eight-man tags, the other eight-man tags scheduled for tonight, Big Bill, Ricky Starks, I'm going to butcher this, Takesha, Takesha, sorry, Hobbs versus Sting, Darby Allen and Chris Jericho, and Sammy Guevara. Um, we know now the allegations with Chris Jericho and Kylie Ray. so let's see how this goes out. The show had its ups and downs, but you could tell the vibe in the arena was different for this bout. Every time Jericho was in the ring, you could hear fans reacting negatively. Our, like I mentioned earlier in this podcast of what has happened with Jericho, that's probably the the fans' reaction. So they're like, get the fuck out of here. Like, hashtag fire Jericho was uh, trending. Uh, a very predictable match. The heels beat up on Darby for a long time until Sting got the hot tag. It had some fun spots, but several awkward moments stalled the matches and momentum. Guevara scored the win for his team with a pin over Starks. I feel like no one cared about this match as much because of the recent news on Jericho. And it, it really showed. Is it some? Is this setting up a potential rivalry between Sammy Guevara and Ricky Starks? Maybe, but nothing showed here really. Five and a half out of ten. Could have been better. Julia Hart versus Abaddon. You had... Oh, this is for the TBS title. Sorry. Um, the TBS title match between Julia Hart and Abaddon was contested under house rules, which meant Abaddon could add the stipulation that allowed biting. This match was focused on telling a story more than fi uh, fighting... Or, sorry, more than fitting as many spots in as possible. Possible. Both competitors did a good job playing to the character's strengths, but there were long periods of slow progression that kept this from being as good as it could have been. Faster pace would have been, uh, served them well, but this was still a good performance. It just wasn't what a lot of fans were expecting. Sky Blue showed up and knocked Abaddon off the top rope, but it didn't have the desired effect. Abandoned, or sorry, Abaddon pulled her out from the under the ring and started beating her up. The distraction allowed Hart to score the win with a moonsault. Could have been better with a faster pace, like I mentioned before, but it wasn't bad either. Six and a half out of ten. Now, a rivalry between Christian Cage and Adam Copeland was what Edge wanted for the longest time. Uh, now, this is for the TNT Championship rematch. This was a fight and nothing, not a wrestling match, and it showed. We saw both Nick Wayne and Shane Wayne get involved, which was expected. Weapons galore, and the audience was for it. Cage set up a flaming table, but then Adam had to relight the flame because it went out. There was a flaming table spot with Adam Copeland powerbombing Nick Wayne. Sort of threw it. I say sort of because it like kind of fell when he hit it, and it didn't really crash, but it worked for what they needed. Adam won by hitting Cage with his own finisher, and then Killswitch 
uh, formerly known as Luchasaurus, showed up behind Copeland as he was celebrating and attacked him. Luchasaurus was about to cra- uh, cash in his contract to win the TNT Championship, but then Christian Cage came back in the ring and told Luchasaurus to give the contract to Christian Cage. He did. Ta- uh, that, may- that to me makes me lo- uh, makes Luchasaurus less kill switch. Look weak as hell. Yes, could be potentially setting up a story arc where a story arc where Luchasaurus turns on Christian Cage, but it doesn't look good. Makes Lucas Luchasaurus look like an absolute bitch. Besides that, I am definitely not enjoying the name Killswitch. In my mind, it just doesn't seem to fit him as a character. Other than that, overall it was a great match, and Adam Copeland wore the same gear he wore during his hardcore match against McFoley at WrestleMania 22, I believe. Um, eight out of ten. Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley. This is the finals of the Continental Classic. Um, it has been one. The Continental Classic has been one of the best things to happen to AEW in a long time, and it officially came to a close with the final match when Kingston and Moxley met to crown triple uh, triple crown champion with Ring of Honor World Continental and uh, Ring of Honor World Champion Continental Champion and New Japan Strong Openweight titles. Danielson and Taz provide some great commentary during the match about what kind of fighter each competitor is and how they use their strengths to their advantage. There was nothing pretty about this match. They used plenty of traditional wrestling moves, but the way they did them, it was dirty and violent in the best possible way. Both of these men bring legitimacy to the ring, so whenever they face each other, it feels special as all hell. After a brutal exchange of stiff strikes, the Mad King defeated Moxley with a spinning backfist to get the win and become the first modern Triple Crown champion. He celebrated with all three belts as the crowd gave him a standing ovation. Kingston accomplished all of his goals in 2023, and it was an incredible ride. Moxley embraced his friend before leaving him to celebrate. This is one hell of a match, and I want this kind of effort in more matches in both AWWE and wherever else. If the competitors put this type of love and effort in any match, it will be better. Yeah, you're going to still have crap matches after a while, but it's still, put the effort and love into it. 9 out of 10. Now, the main event, MJF versus Samoa Joe for the AEW Championship. The main event of the night was the AEW World title between MJF and Samoa Joe. Not only is MJF legitimately hurt, but AEW putting him through the ringer in the storyline, so he was coming into this match at a huge disadvantage. A special video played with several Long Island residents talking positively about MJF before he made his way to the ring in the flashiest robe he has ever worn. A few moments later, he shocked the crowd by bringing out Adam Cole. Max tried to stay confident, but Joe immediately began targeting his injured shoulder. The majority of his match consisted of long sequences when Joe was in control, followed by short comebacks by the champion. MJF was unable to win the, with his signature pile driver, and Joe reversed his trademark armbar. It seemed like anything MJF tried, Joe had an answer. When MJF asked for his ring, Cole took lo- too long trying to find it, and it allowed Joe to lock in a rear naked choke. Much to the surprise of everyone, that is how the match ended. The ref checked on Max, and he was out, so the bell rang, and Joe was crowned the new AEW champion. As great as this match was, the ending felt strange, and that's probably because of MJF being injured. Cole tried to comfort Max after Joe was gone. The crowd chanted bullshit until the Devil's Masked Men showed up. They attacked Max and held Cole so that he had to watch Cole and MJF both beg to be hit instead of each other, but then the lights dropped. They came back on to reveal Cole sitting on a chair looking at Maxwell, Max while Wardlow, Roger Strong, and the Kingdom unmasked behind him. MJF looked heartbroken and asked how Cole could do this to him before everyone attacked. The show ended with Cole and his crew standing tall. The main event was mostly fantastic, but what came after is up for debate. It took me a second to realize who the hell 
was all with Adam Cole, but I got who it was after a while. My guess is that MGF, when he comes back from being injured, that he'll create a faction of his own to back him up against Adam Cole. This could also be a new faction just for Adam Cole to be the face of another one again. He's been in so many in the face of others, Undisputed Era, and a whole bunch of other shit. So you never know. Overall, 8.5 out of 10 was a decent show, but could have been better. Thank you for joining me on this episode of A Reason to Talk with Chris Reason. There are many, many, many more episodes to come. Hit that follow or subscribe button for to keep up to date with our content being released. If you're listening on YouTube, don't forget to hit that notification bell after you subscribe. Also check out W Energy once again and a whole bunch more. Peace and fucking bacon grease. See you guys later.